You've tuned in to the Locum Story Podcast, a place where we interview physicians, PAs, and NPs from all different specialties and backgrounds about their careers, tips for success, and of course, locum tenants. Learn more about locums at locumstory.com. Welcome to another episode of the Locum Story Podcast. I'm Chase Johnson, and today we are happy to welcome a great guest, Dr. William Barrett. Dr. Barrett is an experienced general surgeon who began working locum tenens full-time after spending 16 years in a traditional permanent position. Some of Dr. Barrett's interests include singing, mixed martial arts, and participating in medical missions. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Barrett. Thanks, Chase. Glad to be here. So I understand your first experience with locums work actually started right after you completed your residency. Can you uh, maybe tell us a little bit about what that experience was like and how it impacted your career? I went overseas with one of my professors to India, and coming back, I just wanted to get in and start working. I had thoughts about maybe going back and doing a fellowship. So I just wanted to work. And I went online and I found these locums jobs. And I was looking for something interesting, something kind of different from what I was doing during residency. I trained in Washington, DC. So uh, so getting out kind of into the rural areas was appealing to me. Interesting. And yeah, and I found a job working for the Choctaw Nation in Oklahoma. Wow. Never, never been to Oklahoma, looked interesting. So I, I took it and Great. that's how it all started. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So it was right out of training. What, what what were some of the benefits or challenges that you experienced? I, I would assume, you know, going from big town like DC to Choctaw Nation would be a little bit of a, a jarring experience. Yeah, it was, it was strange when I was on call and I had no backup and the nearest, our, our transfer hospital was in Arkansas. Mm. So it wasn't even in the same state because, wow. uh, because this was in a remote area of Eastern Oklahoma. And it just, I, I I didn't even kind of anticipate that this was going to happen. It just kind of came upon me. Oh, I'm the only guy. And if I have trouble, it's two hours away. So I need to be able to handle everything. So it was a bit of a trial by fire, but, uh, yeah, I guess I grew up quickly and mm. all went well. Hopefully there wasn't any uh, crazy emergencies where you had to call on some help two hours away. I didn't have to, but I had some crazy emergencies. So, <laughs> uh, you know, at that time I was young, enthusiastic, right out of residency, looking for the challenge. So, yeah, I, the challenges came and I just took them on and everything went fine. Beautiful. Okay, so maybe walk us through. That was your... Uh, your first kind of foray into medicine outside of residency, how did you transition? You went into a permanent position after, was it that locum's assignment or a series of locum's assignments? Yeah, I did a, I did a couple. I went from the Choctaw Reservation and then to the Navajo Reservation in Arizona, wow. working in Chinle. Uh, and, you know, Chinle, it, it's a really remote place, but one, one day I was on a hike and actually needed a, a ride into town. And the guy who picked me up was a retired general surgeon Whoa. who had who was bringing his kids to show him, you know, where he had where he had practiced a long time ago. And he said to me, 
he said, you know, some of the best surgeons in America have passed through Chinle, Arizona. Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my colleagues turns out is going to go to Chinle next month. Wow. So they, very fascinating. So went to Arizona and then after that it was kind of uh targeting a, a full-time permanent position. Is that yeah. So then uh went back to Oklahoma and looked for a full-time job and did that, eventually moved back to North Carolina and was working full-time in a regional hospital, level two trauma center. Interesting. And then uh, it sounds like it, recently or how, how long ago did you uh, make yeah. the the move to pursue locums in a full-time capacity? Yeah. It was like seven years ago. Wow. Okay, great. Was there a, an event that uh, that inspired that or what, what kind of prompted the, the move? You know, I just kept getting those calls from locums <laughs> recruiters sure. and I kept saying, you know, things are good here, but there was so much instability with the administration, lots of different things. And I just kept saying, you know, call back in six months. And then eventually I was ready to go independent. Great. So you've been doing it for seven years. How far ahead are you planning assignments? And do you typically travel to different areas or is it is it mostly local? Yeah, right now I'm just sticking with North Carolina. So two main places, one kind of in the eastern part of the state, not too far from my parents here in Wilmington. Great. And then another one in the mountains. It was actually one of my first locums assignments and I <laughs> loved it. And eventually they became fully staffed. So they didn't need me anymore. I was sad to see it go. Uh, but then about seven or eight months ago, they called back and they were having a lot of surgeon turnover and they got me back on board. That's great. Are you, it sounds like that was kind of is that a one-off or are you using an agency to find a lot of these assignments or what, what's kind of your process there? Because I had had a little bit of experience with locums early on, I kind of had the idea that it would be good to stick with one agent, one company. And I went with Weatherby and uh, my agent, Hopal, who's been with me since the beginning, Wow, uh, she knows my schedule better than I know my schedule. <laughs> That's what you want. Yeah. So I just decided to stick with Weatherby, stick with her. And uh, one of the reasons was so that I wouldn't get any assignment overlaps by mistake. Hmm. Uh, I just wanted there to be coordination going from one assignment to another. Because uh, as a lot of people know, there's flight arrangements. Sometimes you can get delayed. So I just wanted it all to be with one agent, one company, all coordinated. That's great. I think that's a good way to to target it for sure. Um, what are the main differences you've seen working as a surgeon in a permanent position versus locums? Are you, is there anything that you would would call out explicitly? Uh, there's a there's a whole lot of differences in what when you're in a full time position. There's a lot of advantages to that, but one of the disadvantages is that you just can't get the time off that you want. And as a lot of people know, general surgeons take a lot of call. There's a lot of night call, especially when you're covering trauma. There's weekends. And sometimes, at least for me, I just like to have it end to turn it off, take some time. Yeah, great. I, I think that's that, that's one of the big advantages to locums. I, I see. Do you usually do you structure your schedule as such? Dr. Barrett, where you would take months, weeks, days at a time, or what does that look like? 
it varies and I kind of like the variability. With this job out in Western North Carolina, for example, I'm working, let's say 10 days a month and that they've got me scheduled through March okay. and they may, they'll likely add dates just depending on what happens with their staffing, but they, they're pretty comfortable that they're not going to be fully staffed until mm -hmm. halfway through, through the year. And I'm happy to go back and cover for 10 days. I know people there, they all know me. And then when I leave, it just feels really good. Yeah, great. That, that's excellent. Good, good call out there. You know, Locum's work does require providers to adapt to new facilities and environments. Have you uh, learned to be adaptable? Would you say that's innate in you or did, is that uh, something that you picked up over time? Yeah, in a way, and I think this is maybe different from some other surgeons that I've talked to, but I like to work in different environments to get different challenges that is one of the things that I enjoy about general surgery. This goes back, I think I mentioned that when I left residency, I went overseas with one of my professors and we were in India up in the mountains and yeah. we had very limited resources. And I, I saw that as a, a great challenge right after residency. Here I am doing the things that I've been trained to do, but now I have to do it with much less than what I'm used to having. And, and I, I just enjoyed it. So now when I go to different hospitals, there's always some adjustments to make, but I, I really don't have that much trouble doing that. That's great. It, it, would you say that's a kind of a necessary skill set for anyone who wants to pursue locums or like anything that you would advise with, with folks that might not be as, I'm going to say maybe not as adaptable as, as you are? Yeah, for sure. So like with general surgery, you have two major companies that do most of the, let's say the laparoscopic equipment. You have Ethicon and you have Covidian. So if somebody's coming from a hospital that just uses Ethicon and they've only used Ethicon, but now they have to use Covidian, that can be a little bit of a challenge. Sure. So it, it's good to know both products and be able to use either. Is there, a, this is a, maybe out of naivete, but is there ways to study up on that without practicing um, in, in an environment that has one or the other? There probably are. It's good when you get to the assignment to walk through the operating room, to go into the supply room and just look on the shelf. And I'll, I'll do that routinely when I go to a new place or go to a place that I haven't been to in a while and just look at what's the what do they have on the shelf what kind of staplers what kind of electric devices what kind of wound care things what kind of ostomy devices what, what kind of meshes they have for hernia mm. repair just to get an idea of what I have to work with makes sense yeah get your bearings underneath you it sounds like uh, so you've also had uh, the opportunity to to do some uh, volunteer and medical mission work as a physician could you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, what you enjoyed and what your experience has been like in that realm. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I did locums when I was working full time. If you want to go overseas, which I've done quite a few times, you basically have to burn all your vacation time to do that. And then you don't have any vacation time. So I will say that was one of the major factors that moved me into locums. So I've worked with Mercy Ships. They're basically a hospital on a ship. They, they do mostly craniofacial surgery, facial plastic surgery, 
but they also do general surgery. So there's lots of hernias to repair and lots of interesting tumors to remove. Amazing. That's, uh, I, I had no idea that that existed. Basically, uh, medical missions on at sea, it sounds like. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, it is a ship. It's always at the port for basically 11 months during the wow. year. So that's kind of the 11 month mission. And then I think it's during the holidays. I'm not really sure when they move, but then they'll take a month and then they go to the next country. So there's a lot of preparation in preparing to go to the next place. There's a lot of screening camps that happen throughout the country. And then people are scheduled to come to the port where the ship is. Wow. And then they, they come on the ship and get their surgery and very neat. Yeah. Thanks for informing us. That's that's really cool. Any uh, special, like specific memories from uh, from one of those missions that you'd like to share? Probably my favorite crazy story. And this was this was pre Mercy ships. So this I got introduced to Mercy ships because somebody called me to do an assignment in Africa in Liberia. And, and it was under the umbrella of Mercy Ships, but it had nothing to do with the ship. It was because the ship was there years before. So they had a relationship and they were looking for some surgeons. And uh, I said, yes, I would go. I went over for probably three weeks and we <laughs> were in the capital city in Monrovia. And the hospital, they, they were recovering from a, a war it was actually a very lengthy multi-stage war that went on for probably 15 years. I'm not really exactly sure, but they were maybe two or three years post that. And the main hospital is the John F. Kennedy Hospital. So this was built in the 60s wow. with assistance from the United States. And the hospital had shut down during the war. It had been looted and stripped of all its wiring, but they were getting it back working. So I was part of the team that was helping them to restart surgical services at the hospital. So, oh. so that's the setting for the story. And we were in the operating room and somebody comes into the operating room from the emergency room and they show us this x-ray and it's a chest x-ray. And literally there's a nine inch blade in the guy's chest. Like oh I kid God. you not. It's just as clear as day. There it is. And they said, Hey, we want to show you this x-ray. And we're like, Whoa, like, well, uh, what's wrong with the guy? And, uh, they said, Oh, he's coughing up a little bit of blood. And we're like, okay. Uh, did he mention anything about getting stabbed? And they said, no. <laughs> no so we're like, oh, we got to check this out. So we go down to the emergency room and there's this guy sitting on a stretcher. It looks pretty comfortable. And we said, you know, hello, what's wrong? You know, I'm, oh, I'm coughing up a little bit of blood. And we're like, have you been stabbed? And he looks at us and he's like, uh no and we're like are you sure and he goes oh three years ago i got captured by the opposing army i was in the army and 
they it, it's it, it, so it gets really bad now. I, I won't tell you all the gory details, sure. but they basically wow. they took a bayonet, they held him down in the middle of the street, they stuck a bayonet into his chest from above his clavicle. He had a little scar there, and then they rocked the rifle back and forth until the bayonet broke off. Oh my gosh. And they let him go. It was wow. like like a slow death. Wow. But he that, didn't die. That is amazing. That is amazing. Jeez. So, yeah. What we a ended story. up taking we ended up taking the knife out and everything went went fine. Wow. Jeez, that is uh yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it sounds like you've been able to uh, leverage locums to create a flexible career and lifestyle. Would you have any advice for other surgeons who are looking to give it a try? Yeah, I I do recommend it. I I it's it's lengthened my career. I would say that when I did make the switch, there was some burnout going on. There was some frustration with hospital politics, and when I went locums. I just don't have to deal with that anymore. I yeah. I just do my work. I don't have to worry about RVUs. I know what I'm getting paid. It's just become a lot simpler. And when I do want to take that time off, when there are special trips that I wouldn't otherwise be able to go on with old friends or family, I'm I'm able to I'm able to go to those mm. and. I just feel like I've I've continued to be able to do surgery and and, and I'll get back to this point because this might be a concern that some surgeons have if they're not quote unquote as busy as they used to be but sticking with the scheduling part I I just feel like I've been able to live my life the way I, with, with a little more control if that makes any sense. It's great. Yeah, of course. This is one of those things that, that surgeons worry about. What if I'm not doing, you know, 80 cases a month? What if mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, half that? Are my skills going to decline? And it turns out, because I was worried about that. I don't want my skills to decline. It turns out, I would say I've gone up a level because really? I'm a little more focused. I'm a little more, there's just little things I, I worry about being perfect instead of fast. I worry about making sure that everything goes perfect during and after the surgery, because sometimes I'm checking out to other people. So I would say that the quality of my actual surgery, even though overall I'm probably doing a little bit less, it, it's, 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 it's leveled up. Amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good call out. I, I can imagine that would be a concern as your skill set maybe not being as sharp, but I, I think that's a really good perspective that you have more time to focus on perfection and quality over speed. And I, and I will say, just to kind of emphasize that point, the in, in our current healthcare environment, we're, we're not told to go fast. It's not like, but, but there's all these subtle things that make, that, that incentivize being fast. Yeah, anesthesia sure. prefers you to be fast. They're going to reward you more because you're going to produce more RVUs if you're fast. So by taking some of that away, I, I've enjoyed it more. Looking to the future, what do you see uh, or do you see yourself continuing uh, locum's work? I would assume the answer is yes. Do, do you see that like changing at all or 
minimizing or even growing? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I've been as busy as I've wanted to be. And, and looking back the whole six years, I've been as busy as I wanted to be the whole time. Right. If there ever was a scheduling gap, I enjoyed the scheduling gap. So, you know, and when I think about going back into full-time practice, I, not that I do think about it, but people ask me sometimes that I have no desire to do so. Anything else you want to call out that we haven't touched on today? Yeah, I, you know, I would encourage people to look into locums. I think it is good to find an agent that you can work with. There's going to be a lot of coordination going on with accommodations, with travel, just a couple little hints as far as accommodations go. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. I work in a town in Eastern North Carolina, Eden, Edenton, and they usually put me in the Hampton Inn and the Hampton Inn is okay. Uh, this particular Hampton Inn, they, they did not give me my Hampton Inn points. So that, that becomes something that's that is a nice little extra when you're on the road and staying at hotels you like those points because then you're getting free hotel stays during your vacations and such so i got a little it was just uh, every time i would stay at the hampton and i didn't get my points i was like uh and i ended up finding this bed and breakfast that was closer to the hospital and it was just be, be, because i've been going there now for years Sometimes I spend, you know, 10 days there. It's just oh, wow. so much nicer being at the bed and breakfast. <laughs> um, so there is just be aware and you have to be careful about how you do it. Sometimes you have to do the legwork on your own by negotiating a rate that's equivalent to what they were paying for your old accommodations. Um, but you can, you can often upgrade accommodations if you're going back to the same place over and over again, you just have to be very kind of clever and put some work in and and then slowly make that move. And for me, it's just made a big difference. When I go, when I'm heading back to Edenton, because I know I'm staying at this place, they know me, I'm actually looking forward to it. That's awesome. Just those little, little hints for the listeners. I love that. That's great. I'm going to ask a selfish, selfish question. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of want to know about your uh, MMA experience. Do you, do you practice? Do you, are you a fan or a little bit of both? Yeah, I got, so going back to Chin Lee, this is, this is, this is a good question. When I was working in Chin Lee, somebody came to the hospital and they just, they, they were having a boxing event for a youth boxing event and they, they needed any physician to go. And I said, I would go. So I went, I, I was the ringside doctor for this wow. weekend long tournament, really enjoyed it, ended up joining USA Boxing as a physician. And since then I've done typically professional MMA fights, uh, mostly in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. I'm also now involved in, I'll give a little plug for a company that I'm a part of. They're called the Fight Doctors. Mm. And uh, it's a group of doctors who do different uh, examination work for fighters. Uh, a lot of times they have to get medical clearance after a fight, after an injury, before a fight. Uh, and there's the, the two main guys in the company. Uh, one's a neurosurgeon, 
you know, there's a general surgeon and they provide this service for fighters around the world. So they're, they're, they're known, uh, fighters know them. They also do some work with helping fighters do healthy weight cuts. So anyway, it's, it's one of those things that I love. I'm glad I'm, you know, I've got my, got some involvement in the, uh, what do they call it? Like the combat sports world. And yeah, that's really special. Just, really cool. Just, just fun stuff. All that. Yeah. That I, you're right there at the action. That sounds really, uh, really interesting. Yeah. Well, Dr. Barrett, great stuff. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today and sharing some of your experiences with us. We appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. This has been the Locum Story Podcast. To learn more about Locum Tenants and find additional provider stories, visit locumstory.com.